The Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone, Zaddy Zone, welcome to the Zaddy Zone. Do yourself a big, big favor and start taking magnesium breakthrough before you go to bed. Nothing does more for stress than a great night's sleep. And magnesium is critical for getting deep and restorative sleep. I've said this before and I'll say it again. When you're low in magnesium, your stress goes up. And when you stress, it depletes your magnesium. So it's this cycle which drives home the importance of taking a great magnesium supplement. The reason I love Magnesium Breakthrough is is it's so effective because it's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium all in each pill. Yes, you heard me right. Most magnesium supplements fail because they are synthetic and only contain one or two forms of magnesium. It's just not enough. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, that's when the magic happens. Pretty much every function in your body gets upgraded from your sleep to your brain, from stress to pain and inflammation. And magnesium is also vital for vitamin D absorption. I take two right before bed and have done so for the last year. So for an exclusive offer for my listeners, go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash zaddy. That's magbreakthrough, M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H-R-O-U-G-H.com forward slash zaddy. In addition to the 10% discount you're going to get by using that promo code zaddy, you will unlock a special gift with the purchase for a limited time only. So go to magbreakthrough.com forward slash zaddy. Now to get your gift. Ready. <laughs> I'm here with I'm here with Ricky Lake and Abby Epstein. G'day, you two. G'day. G'day, mate. G'day. <laughs> we got Abby who's apparently in New York but looks like she's in the Bahamas. Um, <laughs> that spray tan is working, honey. Spray tan. <laughs> in, incredible. Um, I've just been talking off air with Ricky and Abby about their movie, The Business of Being Born, which is the first thing that our doula, Rebecca Richter, got us to watch as soon as we found out we were pregnant and how incredible it was to watch that movie and then go, yes, definitely home birth was the right choice and we gave birth in our living, uh, in our bedroom in a pool with my two-year-old son in the next room who didn't wake up at all, even through you know 12 hours of heavy groaning. And uh, it's kind of amazing that you've had this effect on so many people, isn't it, with this movie? It's unbelievable. I mean, we were just talking off air. I wish we were taping, but anyway. No, uh, that <laughs> this is the 15-year anniversary of, of the film. And mm. it's just, it's just unbelievable. I mean, neither of us could ever have anticipated that it would have this ripple effect and this long, evergreen life to it. And, mm. it, it, you know, yeah, it, I mean, it's been, I mean, I consider it my life's work. I don't know if Abby does, Abby does too, right? Both of, of us, I like, do. this is our, this is like, this was for me, I mean, I, you know, my story, I, you know, I was a talk show host for so long and I was an actor before that, but I really wanted, especially post 9-11, I wanted to do something that I felt would be impactful in a way that my mm. show wasn't even though my show was in its way, I want to do something more personal. And so this is this project. And it just was so um, guttural and like, like it was just 
a calling in me that I wanted to explore the world of birth, primarily in the United States. And it's just, I was so impacted by my two different experiences. And Abby and I were dear friends from the vagina, vagina monologue, the vagina monologues. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it just has been like divine, the whole experience of, of making this film, putting it out, telling our stories of our own very different birth experiences and seeing people like you 15 years later, getting to have that home birth because of what you learned Mm -hmm. from the film is really, I mean, it doesn't get better than that for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I really want to talk about the business of birth control today, but there are such similar themes between the two movies. And one of the themes is that men are in control of women's health. (laughs) <laughs> that seems to be the, the 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 ongoing theme between the two movies is that men are like, yeah, if you could lay in the bed and have your feet in the stirrups to give birth, it's not going to be good for you, but it's much easier for me. And then you see in the in the business of birth control, these men deciding that talking to male doctors about female about birth control, and that seems to be a running theme here, isn't it? <laughs> it completely is and it's funny because it's like there's something i think like that's so primal right like the first time when we were making the business of being born and we were deciding whether to make it and ricky showed me this like home movie of her giving birth to her son in the bathtub and Mm -hmm. i'd never seen anyone really give birth and i'm watching this footage and she, you know, Ricky's in the bathtub and her head is back and this, she's pulling this baby out. And I, I literally in that moment, Luke, I thought, oh my God, this is why men are so scared of us. Like, this is it. This is it. Like, mm. we are so fucking powerful. And I think that we are so powerful. And I think that that's why there's always been this, like, need to control you know, need to control women's bodies, control the magic, control the power, you know, like control the uterus and and the life force. And I think that birth control, it's, it's, it's in the words, you know, that's what it is. That's exactly what it is. Mm. Yeah. Because it's like, it's like taking your hormonal experience and like muting it basically, you know, controlling it. So, Mm. you know, it, it's it's really instead of women living in their natural cycles as we are yeah. you know meant to to cycle and and cycling is part of our power right because I think when you're ovulating they say you have like thirteen times the sort of like energy and you know ideas and stamina than you do when you're not mm. ovulating so it's like oh that's my favorite part yeah <laughs> easily. <laughs> easily when you're ovulating that's you're horny. Yeah, oh, and, and the the breasts get fuller and bigger, yeah. and like, yes, it's it's on, it's um, on. But, but it's so interesting because the natural cycle that we that that I think that the business of birth control is really promoting the education of understanding your own cycle, so that you can go, okay, well, instead of taking hormone birth control, I just know that I shouldn't have sex around this period. But the problem is that sex is so good around <laughs> that period. You yeah. know what I mean? Around the period of ovulation. <laughs> But that's really the vibe, though, isn't it? Is is yeah. I was going to get to this later, but it's really once you realize, okay, that hormonal birth control might not be for you. The other options are really coming into an understanding of your own cycle. Is that correct? 
And it's work. I mean, it takes a lot yeah. of time and patience and really understanding and educating yourself. You know, yeah, I mean, and, and thinking of a teenage girl who really doesn't want to spend that time learning their, about their bodies. You know, it's like, it's mm. hard. It's, it's really a commitment. And, but I, it, it, for me, I'm, you know, I'm 54 years old. I still get a cycle and I track my cycle now because I learned so much about my, my health, you know, yeah. they call mm. it the fifth vital sign. Yeah. And so it's fascinating when you can like embrace what our bodies are able to do and not be, you know, irritated. Oh, I'm bleeding again or whatever. Really look at it right. as like what our bodies are amazing, you know, same yeah. just like birth, having this like reverence for what our bodies are able to do. Yeah. And I think, you, I think you have to look at the cycle through an empowerment lens, not just through a procreative lens, right? So if you're looking at it just as a contraceptive tool, that's, you know, you're missing all the good stuff. And I think, even if you're saying, you know, look, I, I think it's kind of fucked up right now because we shouldn't be living in a world where it's like hormonal birth control or tracking your cycle. Like it, mm. there should be like a million options in between. There should be options for men, you know, but I, I do think that a lot of younger people now are finding that they can track their cycle pretty accurately and, you know, they will have to use a condom during those six days, the fertile days, mm -hmm. or, you know, maybe some of them are, are using other barrier methods or withdrawal methods. I think a lot of people use, although they don't speak about it, but a lot of people are using <laughs> yeah. time. The pullout, the pullout method has been, the pullout method has been, you know, <laughs> chastised for years, but is quite effective actually. I know I use it. You know what's even more effective? Years. Vasectomy. Vasectomy is way more effective. True. True. My, my friend is this very, very sweet man who um, he, he's one of these incredibly nice guys who manages to have a lot of sex and he loves sex so much. And at, at the age of 30, he, he got a vasectomy and I just couldn't believe it. I was really wow. just like, what? And, and he's like, yeah, dude, I just love having sex and I just want to have more sex. And, and, I, and I, I was like, he was ahead of his time as far as I was concerned. I've like, I've never heard of a 30 year old man loving sex that much and then going ahead and doing it. And I go, and I was like, that's actually a great, it, sh it should be an option given to more men. Yeah. Well, it is now. So there's like a bunch of new companies on the market. You, you should talk to some of these guys in your podcast. They're really amazing, but they're, mm -hmm. they're pioneering this, you know, vascular, it's like a vasal occlusion procedure. So it's mm. almost like, like a mini, I wouldn't even call it a vasectomy. It's like they basically put a little silicone in to block the tube. And then when right. you're ready to have kids, they just put in like baking soda and blast out the the, the gel. So it's wow. it's a very non-invasive procedure. And they're in, um, I think they're, one of the companies I know is in like stage three or stage four clinical trials in Australia right now. Mm. So of course, Australia is, you know, doing the trials. Um, very feminist <laughs> country, I yeah, think. Get, oh, okay. I was going to say get the convicts to, <laughs> to, to, to do it. Yeah. That too. But um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's on the horizon. Like there, there's mm. a bunch of, of biotech coming out to do these kind of vasal occlusion procedures. But are men really, um, really going to let like a doctor get close to them and put something in their, you know, man parts? I don't know. I don't know. They really they have to come up with a better name than whatever that name was. Vasal vasal inclusion. No, they yeah, they gotta brand yeah. it. They gotta brand yeah. it. They will. Yeah. But it, I don't know. But I think the thing is, like, you know, if if you're doing it for your teenage boy, 
Like I'd do it for my kid, right? So mm. if it's a if it's a parent, maybe making that decision. I don't know. I mean, I I think I think there's so much need for gender like equity in this space. Well, I think it's really interesting though because a lot of the the in your documentary, women were talking about how they'd been affected by if they had acne, even as a teenager, they were given birth control. Uh, or yeah. if they had a bad if they had a bad period even, they were like given birth control and it was just the 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 one-stop fix all. Oh, just give them birth control and now or peace or when peace people had PCOS. It was just this yeah. one-stop shop of like, give them birth control and they'll be fine. Instead of getting to the root cause, which I think is a very Western medical thing. Like, it's like, oh, just yep. give, cover the symptoms. 100%. Yeah. And I think like the problem is because we've been doing that for so long, we don't have any treatments for PCOS. We don't have any treatments for endometriosis. There's no research because they've just mm. been like popping women on the pill. Um, so we have now this big movement right around like actually getting like root cause treatment for hormonal mm -hmm. imbalances and like fibroids, PCOS, endometriosis, all of that. Because, you know, when you, when you are on a pill and you're like just suppressing your symptoms for 10 years, 20 years, and then you go off, it's like all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Right. Because everything's still there and it might've even gotten worse. And then there's like all these women who, are put on the pill so young that they don't even know they have those conditions because they've just yeah. never really, you know, had their own like hormonal cycle. So yeah, it's, it's, I think it's, it is such a like Western thing. And I think it has to do with truly, honestly, the lack of understanding around women's bodies is appalling. Like the lack of research and the medical bias and it's, it's appalling. And I think that it's just look at what's even going on right now, right? We're looking at this like menopause boom, right? Like every celebrity now has a menopause brand because suddenly it's like all of the Gen Xers are at this menopause age and Gen X is like, wait a minute, like we're not, you know, getting old. Like, you know, we want hormones, we want solutions. Like what the fuck's going on? And so now it's like, everyone's talking about menopause because again, nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody knows who to go to. Nobody knows who to talk to. Nobody knows how to, to solve these things because it's like this entire complex, you know, network of like women's bodies and hormones is just like totally, I feel like unexplored. Yeah. And that's just, and I think this, this gets to the heart of where I wanted to get to was that I don't think we understand how fragile of an ecosystem hormones are. I think we just we just like sometimes like guys yeah. getting TRT or, you know, women going on hormonal birth control or it, it's like, do you, do you understand how fragile of an ecosystem this is? Like your hormonal health mm -hmm. is your health, right? Yeah. You can't just mess with it and think, oh, that'll be fine. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll deal with it later. You need like actual good guidance throughout this whole process. I wanted to ask you how you two found this subject of birth control. I mean, every woman I know has a story about a horror story about birth control, whether it's them or about their friend who suffered. Did you two personally suffer and then come to, to want to make the story because of that? Mm. Well, Abby, you tell, cause you, you, Holly spent sent you. Well, we both. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I would say both Ricky and I were both on the pill for like a decade. More than know, no, two decades for me and on and off. And I would switch brands. You know, my thing, it's like, I didn't put a lot of thought into it. 
I did think it was no big deal. I love the fact mm-hmm. that I could control when I got my period, particularly when I got went on my honeymoon and stuff. Yeah. And I would go get my pap smear every year and they'd give me a new brand of pills because the, the latest, you know, they'd have them as samples in the office. So for me, it was convenient. It was, I didn't question that, oh, it's a different, you know, chemical makeup and it might affect me. What happened years later is my hair started shedding and falling out. And that is directly, mm. I mean, there's a lot of factors, but the, one of the main factors was the fact that I was on these drugs and on, you know, fucking with my hormones. And yeah. so had I been told that, oh, you could lose your hair from going on and off these drugs, I might have made a different choice, but I really didn't have informed consent at that time. And it was only making this movie that I put two and two together. Like, mm. you know, it, it was a real awakening for, I think, both of us. Yeah, that's, wow. it's exactly what Ricky said. Like, I was given a book called Sweetening the Pill by Holly Griggs-Ball. Mm-hmm. And so Holly it gave us the galley of her book before it was published. And she, you know, knew about the business of being born. And she thought this might be, you know, something that might interest you guys in your mm. documentary work. I read the book on a flight from New York to LA, got to Ricky's house in LA. And I was like, oh my God. I mean, my experience getting prescribed the pill, like that initial year in college when I was put on it by my doctor was so awful. Mm. And it really took me out, you know, and I, and then I did manage to find a different pill that I, I could tolerate better. And I stayed on that. But when I read the book, I mean, holy shit, like so many epiphanies. It was like, I was putting together all of these symptoms and mental things and relationship things. And mm. I couldn't believe it. It was just like, so, uh, but I had no idea. I had, I never connected any of those things to the pill. So the book for me was like a massive epiphany. And then I just said to Ricky, I literally got off the plane and went to her house and was like, nobody wants to talk about this. I know we're going to get so much fucking hate and backlash, but I, I just feel a calling. Like we have to put this out there because you know, it's not fair. It's not fair to, I don't want the next 19 year old girl like me mm-hmm. to get put on the pill in college and like suffer what I went through. But this is what's so funny, isn't it? You feel like you're going to get so much backlash for talking about it. Like what's the other option? Just, just shutting up and, 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 and getting on with things. Like, if you don't mind me like right. getting a little bit political here, I remember when the vaccine was given out and so many women were, were missing their periods or they were getting their periods late and now were told to shut up. You know, I was told yeah. like, just get over it. Yeah. This is for the yeah. this is for the greater good, and it's just like it's, right. it seems to be a co- another common theme. Like, just shut up and get on with it, and not by and not by right wing Republican men, by the way. Like, it's like you'd expect it from them, but this is from other like you know left leaning women who are just like you know shut up, which is crazy. Oh, absolutely, and it's not only like it's worse than shut up. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. like we actually. Um, have been accused of feeding into, you know, anti-abortion right-wing mentality. It's like, Mm. come on, this is a liberal critique of the pill. If you can't see that this movie is a feminist movie, I mean, you're really reaching here. And I, and I, I do feel that it is very, very political. And Mm. that is, is really a shame because, you know, all of the health pieces 
get lost. And, you know, women are left in the dark because the politics are silencing every conversation around this. Mm-hmm. And we just refuse to have that, you know, like we just re- refuse to be silenced in that way. And it is a nuanced conversation. And we're not saying get rid of the pill, get rid of hormonal birth control. Nobody should take it ever. That That is not what we're saying. Yeah. Um, but I think what's frustrating, for example, let's just take the connection to anxiety and depression. Okay. I feel at this point that enough studies have been done and we've heard enough anecdotal evidence that we can conclude, yes, there is a correlation. There is definitely a correlation between, you know, and I've, I've seen so much research on this and still, still, still to this day, somebody will write about the movie or write about the subject and they won't even acknowledge something like that. That is yes. not even a, a controversial fact anymore. They'll still say, mm-hmm. oh, it's inconclusive. Inconclusive research has suggested that there might be, I'm like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. I, you know, so it's it's so frustrating, Luke. It's really frustrating. And it, it does feel like we're really muzzled around this because of the politics. And we knew we would be, honestly. I, I think on some level we knew we would be because when we started this film, I was, so I, with my talk show work, I was involved for many, many years with a group called the National Campaign to Prevent Teen Pregnancy. And mm-hmm. they were based in Washington, D.C. I've done, I did a lot of PSAs for them. I'd show up at their one, once a year, you know, powwow. And mm-hmm. they said, they got a blurb, like a one page, a paragraph, wasn't even one page, paragraph of my new, latest documentary that Abby and I were starting to work on. And they dumped me off the board without even asking. Abby, I hear you're... <laughs> so, I mean, I... Sorry. We were, Abby's, we were Abby's peeing, everybody. <laughs> she's... I have... She's, I have COVID. I have COVID. <laughs> I'm, I'm dehydrated. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we knew in the beginning that they were, we were going to touch some nerves and... Um, mm. It's just, you know, it's just disappointing. It's disappointing because honest, honestly, we have no agenda other than mm-hmm. to educate and empower women like we've been doing for 15 years. You know, that's really where we're at. We don't make any money. Like, like we are so in the hole. These are not money-making ventures at all. Some days I wish I had a talk show just so I can fund these things, you know, like the, like I did with the first film. And it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's. But it's, it's, it is. And it's, I remember when that happened to Ricky and we had actually a talk with that organization and they were like, well, we really don't want you to make this movie because if you make this movie, then the women who are at risk, the low income, underprivileged, at risk women, they're going to go off these products and we need them to stay on these products. And, you know, Ricky and I sort of countered with, well, if the products have such horrible side effects that 40 to 60% of these women are going off them anyway Mm. in the first year. You know, you're talking about women who are at risk or poor. Why why do you think that poor women can't understand how their bodies work Mm -hmm. and don't need, you know, informed consent? And that's really what it was. It's like they really wanted, again, it's going back to this whole subject. This is about population control. This is about public health. This is about, you know, the people who we don't want to be having babies to not have babies. Yes. It's super, super political. And like 
to your point, Luke, about the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, you know, disrupting menstrual cycles. Well, finally, a study came out like two months ago that verified that yes, yes, it does, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. And so then everybody was like, oh, okay, but like, it's that's crap. Like, why do we have to wait? Yeah, and we didn't need a study. A study. We didn't need a study. You know Everyone mean? was saying it anyway. No. Why do we need studies to show that? Yeah. Oh, all of these yeah. women are saying that they they've been affected by the COVID vaccine or by hormonal birth control. It's like, oh, well, let's just wait for the studies. So it's like, what? Mm-hmm. Oh, like let's just yeah. wait for the studies mm-hmm. to show that like a high amount of taking a high amount of estrogen affects your mood or uh, can cause depression. It's like we don't need a study. We right. know that that's going to affect. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's it's just it's just nonsense. You know what yeah. I think you guys should do is you should align with a better pharmaceutical drug that like aligns with the movie and then you could become billionaires. (laughs) Point us in the right direction. Where do we go? Yeah. It's like, how about a natural birth control, like neem oil or something like that. And then, you know, and then, (laughs) and then you could actually start making some money. And then you see that, see, that would be a reason for people to go, that's their agenda. But if your, if your agenda isn't making money, then it's not a fucking agenda. Right. Right. You know, exactly. Exactly. Like we're not Catholics. We're not conservatives. Mm -hmm. We're not making money. It's hard for people to wrap their head around. Exactly. Like one of our headlines on one of the feminist magazines, do you remember? It was like, Ricky Lake wants you off. No, wants to scare you. Wants to scare you off of horrors. Yeah. That was a headline. That was an actual headline, oh like in a feminist, you know, blog. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would Ricky Lake give a shit about what you're, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like she, what does she, she, why would she be like getting into this mess for no reason? Like, you know, putting her hand in the fire. It's like, no, cause we, we actually believe that there needs to be empowerment and education in this area. We really believe it and no one else is doing it. It seems to me that there are, that this documentary just provides a third opinion. So the right wing say no birth control, the left wing say lots of birth control. And this is the third opinion that says, how about you just learn about your options? Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's the third mm-hmm. That's what you are. So it's no agenda. It's just like you should figure out that there's a there's an in-between here, not no birth control and not always on birth control. There is an in-between here, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Same same message yeah, that's is. in our other film, Weed the People. It's about informed choice, you know? Mm. That's a whole film mm-hmm. about the medicinal aspects of cannabis and then the business mm. of being born. I mean, if there's like a theme. There's a theme and a connection to each of our projects. But it's it's really, I think... This topic, like you were saying, Luke, like every every woman you know, right, has a story. Yes. Has a birth control like story. And most of them are nightmares. Um, and some some people not, you know, some people are like, oh, well, you know, I took the pill for 25 years and it worked for me. Mm-hmm. And that's great. But did you know? that you should have been supplementing with folic acid? Did you know that it decreases your folate? Did you know that it drains your body of all of these really essential minerals and vitamins? Mm. Did you know while you were on it for 25 years, you could have been supplementing with you know vitamins and minerals? Like there, there's, there's things that it's doing to your body, even if you're not feeling the side effects. And I still feel like you still have the right to know that, mm-hmm. you know? You still have the right to know what it's doing 
and to be able to like counter that or, you know, so, so I still think it's like always at the end of the day around informed consent and just supporting, you know, whatever choice works for you. But it's the thing about birth control that's so insidious is that it's starting these girls a lot of times at like a very, very young age, you know, and that that's what's so insidious about mm-hmm. it is it's sort of like becomes this like rite of passage. And a lot of women are put on it before they've even established a menstrual cycle right. and before they really know who they are. Yes. Right. So as you said, your hormones, your hormones create your personality by interacting with the environment. So it's kind of scary if you are growing up and trying to form an identity, but you're not even experiencing yourself. Yes. I mean, not to get too meta about it, but that, you know, that's what's freaky to me. And then these girls think that they're depressed. And so they go on an antidepressant, Mm. but nobody's ever traced it back to like, oh, but maybe it was that birth control she started at 15, 16, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, they're, your they're 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 formative years for a reason. They're not just formative with your experiences. Your body is right. literally forming, and and no one's really talking about but that. By the way, with the deficiencies thing, there's a great resource called mytavin.com. It's m y t a v i n dot com, and you can go there and type in your whatever pharmaceutical you're taking, and it will tell you what you're then deficient in or what that uh, oh, medication wow. takes away. And so even your birth control, you can put it in mytavern.com and it'll tell you all the things that you should be supplementing with or what it depletes within your body. It's a really great resource for anybody listening who's interested in that. Um, I think one of the most powerful scenes in the business of birth control is a woman at a hearing telling these pharmaceutical companies, this board about uh, her daughter dying. And one of the men from NuvaRing saying, I think, despite what you just said, he goes, I, I think that we've properly labeled this. It's like, did you just hear what she said, mate? Like, is there any reaction to what you've just heard? He goes, I, I, I understand what you've gone through. She goes, you don't understand. And he goes, well, I think we've properly labeled it. It's like, I, could you be more out of touch? And I think it was just so, that's, that's what's crazy. That, that, yeah. <laughs> they're just not. They're not listening. They don't, and they don't care about your health. Nope. They don't care about you. They don't care about your life. They just want nope. money. Yep. And I think that they know that putting a black box warning on the NuvaRing will kill the sales. I mean, they know, mm. you know, from a business perspective, that those kind of warnings are, you know, will kill their bottom line. And they, as we say in the film, they are willing to pay off these lawsuits and to budget for um, strokes and blood clots and deaths by pulmonary embolism. And that was so shocking to me when I started making the movie because I remember thinking, but I don't understand. Like if a product like NuvaRing was on the market and like young men were just dying like healthy mm-hmm. young men were dropping dead. Would it would it be still on the market? I don't think You mean so. like they are right now? I really don't. <clears throat> yeah. Like, I mean, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, 
I don't know. There's something about it where I feel like, again, it's this like public health, right? It's like this, like we say in the film, it's kind of like, you know, your risk versus everybody else's benefit. So Mm. in order to have birth control available and in order to have the Nuva ring out there, they are willing to accept, you know, a certain amount of death. And, you know, I don't know. It was shocking to me. It was shocking to me. I guess I was like very naive when I started making the movie. Yeah. But is it for the good of the, you know, your risk for everyone else's benefit? Is it to everyone else's benefit? Because it seems to be that the majority of people who go on these experience depression or any of these other health outcomes, isn't that right? Yeah. But I think, I mean, a public health benefit in terms of like, you know, not having babies and also making sex, sex convenient for men. Right. Because it's Mm -hmm. like, that was a lot of, I think if you look in the history that we showed of the trials, it was like men invented this, women took it when women were having these issues and brought it to the government for a big, you know, hearing the Nelson pill hearings in the seventies, it was only men testifying, male doctors testifying and, you know, it is convenient for men, the product, like having women on these products, right? Because then women are sexually accessible 24-7 and it's convenient. Yeah, that, that, that is another thing that blew my mind. We've known about this since, since the 70s. Like we've known about these issues yeah. since the 70s. And, yeah. and when, was, and, and when yeah. was this documentary made? 2022? Isn't that amazing? Right? Yeah. Right. No, it's and and it's we're, and we're not really allowed to talk crazy. about it, you know. It's like what is going on? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I didn't, I didn't like. I thought I was a feminist, and I'd never heard of those hearings. I'd never heard of mm. the Nelson Pill hearings until I was making this movie. I had no idea that feminists ever like raised health concerns about the pill. You know, I had no idea. I thought feminists were just behind the pill a hundred percent, you know, cause I, that's how I always viewed it as a very feminist and, you know, empowering thing. Mm. Let's talk about some of the other health outcomes that can happen with, when taking the pill. We've talked about the mental impacts. Uh, there was a mention of stroke and heart attack. Anything else? Pulmonary embolism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. And we, you know, I think the interesting thing is like, what I find is that, so we, you know, interviewed and talked to like a lot of women who experience these side effects. And like, I don't know if you saw recently. Um, Haley um, Bieber. Haley Bieber. I'm like Justin Bieber's wife. Um, yeah. Yeah. Haley Bieber. Yeah. Yeah. She, she had a mini stroke. Um, oh. That, yeah. She connected to a new birth control pill. And one of the wow. things that, um, she came out in this YouTube video. She was actually very articulate in this video and told the whole story. It was a real public service. And she said, I get migraines and nobody told me that I should not be on birth control pill. If I'm getting migraines, it's actually a much, much higher risk for a stroke. Mm, so yeah. what a simple thing, right? Right why don't women know that? Like if you're prone to migraines, 
that's not a safe like method for you. Like most women don't know that. Yes. Um, and you know, so she, I think that that connection needs to be made. There's a dad in the movie who also mentions that his daughter was getting migraines and they didn't connect it to the Nuva ring. And she also mm -hmm. ended up dying. So I think that like what we really don't know, because in the United States, like nobody keeps these records. We really don't know like how frequent these things are. Right. So something like a blood clot if I was 16 or 19 and starting the pill and I said, oh, there's a risk of blood clots if you smoke or if you're obese, that's kind of what you hear, right? Or over 35 yeah. or something. Mm -hmm. But you think in your head, oh, what's a blood clot? That doesn't sound very serious. You know, people right. don't understand, right? Like this little blood clot in your It's like you just, you just shake it. You just shake it out and it'll go away. That's literally what I think. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like nobody really understands what it is, right? And mm -hmm. how quickly it can it can travel to the lungs, to the heart, and, mm -hmm. and become, you know, an embolism. So it's funny because anytime there's like a post about the movie, like on social media, let's say, if you look in the comments, I swear to God, all these people are like, Oh yeah. I had a blood clot when I was 16. I had a stroke. I had a blood clot. I did this. I had a pulmonary embolism. I was in the hospital. I almost died. And it's like, you're seeing all these and you're like, are these really being counted? I don't think these are being counted. Like, I don't think they're being mm -hmm. reported. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we have really good, clear statistics on like how often this is happening or what are the risk factors? Like what would make you more likely, you know? to be one of those people, because certainly the women in our movie who had pulmonary embolisms didn't fit any of those categories. They were all younger. They were all in their twenties. None of them were smokers. None of them were obese. They were all very fit, you know, so it's, it doesn't yeah. fall neatly, you know? And so that, that research isn't being done again. It's being like silenced, you know? <laughs> um, and even in one article, a kind of progressive magazine said that the movie was manipulative and irresponsible by telling the stories of those girls that died. I mean, can Which you it just seems like you so can't, just... you, that's the one part of the movie that you can't refute is somebody's right. experience. Yeah, with their, yeah, exactly. You can question a doctor for whatever reason you might find, but are you going to question the parents of a, of somebody's daughter who died? Like, what are you, Alex Jones? Exactly. 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 Rick, you should also mention about I was Karen, I was on the fence about, that scene. I know, I, the woman that you brought up that speaks in front of that panel and wants her day in court to talk oh, yeah. about her daughter to help others. You know, she was the protagonist that started, when we started filming, it was her, there was a big article on her family and Erica, her daughter who died in Vanity Fair. And that's how we found her. And she became not only like a protagonist for us, but also she brought in all these the other families. They had like a little group together and she got all of them to interview and talk about their, their losses. She ended up pulling together a summit for all of us with, that we documented. So she gathered all the families, you know, a bunch of researchers. We were there to document and we all left the, after that weekend together where we, you know, we talked about the girls individually and we all went home and got a box in the mail and it was a suicide note. She had taken her life, Karen, the mother, the mother couldn't bear oh. to be uh, alive anymore without her daughter. 
And, you know, she, Ugh. by, by passing, she helped us finish the film. She left money for us to finish the film. And wow. I mean, yeah, like you said, like Alex Jones or what, I mean, it's like this story, you know, and Abby chose not to put it in the film because with testing, it, it, it took people off. It took people off the message. We had it. Yeah. But, um, we had it in the film, but it she was so sure. devastated by the fact that these companies that Merck, it was Merck, right? Merck was the one she was fighting for to get mm-hmm. her day in court. She didn't want to take the money in the gag order. She wanted to, you know, help other women. And, you know, just, it's just so mm. tragic, this, this, this ending. And we couldn't have made this film without her, without her story and without her help. And, um, it's just a, it's, it's like the underlying piece that, that makes this even more important to, to tell, you know? It's, it's kind of like that she couldn't live in a world that could be so unjust. Like that she gets a day in court to talk to these people and they just said, we think it was properly labeled, you know, and don't listen to her at all. What, what's, what's her full name, if you don't mind, Karen? Yeah, Langhart. It's L-A-N-G-H-A-R-T. And her daughter is Erica with a K. Yep. Got it. And she was a force. She was a force. I mean, she's the one who got the transcripts of the Nelson Pill hearings from Bernie Sanders' office. She's the one who, she was such a fighter. And she just didn't want to see this happen to another family. And I think that ultimately she took her life, like, because of what you said, Luke, it's like she was like staring into an abyss where it's like mm-hmm. her daughter was like murdered, really. Yes, yes. And nobody was accountable. She couldn't get anything. She couldn't get any justice anywhere. Yeah. And nobody wanted to hear the story because the story ruins birth control for everyone else, you know? Because then you're mm-hmm. going to make all these girls scared to go on the Nuva Ring, you know, because her daughter was this outlier, right? This freak mm-hmm. thing that happened. But it's, it's, I mean, I think it, it is so important. And that's the reason we have those stories in the film. You know, it just shows, I think, just the way that the FDA colludes with these pharmaceutical companies. They're in a a collusion, you know. The FDA is not protecting you. They are Mm -hmm. not protecting you. You have to absolutely, like, advocate for yourself. And any drug you're going to take or whatever, just Google that drug with the word controversy, you know, and, like, see what comes up. Because... It's it's shocking. It's kind of, you know, shocking. And and other countries I have to say like we we um interviewed a family in France where an 18-year-old girl had had a a very debilitating stroke on the birth control pill Yaz. Um mm. she didn't die, but you know, France made moves to ban certain substances, you know, just like Europe does with food. Yep. They're a little bit better and they they did take certain brands off the market. And, you know, there are lower risk and higher risk pills, as we say in the movie. So, you know, why do we need the higher risk ones on? Why can't we just have the lower risk ones, right? But mm-hmm. like we showed that FDA hearing in the film, how they voted to keep Yaz on the market. And then it turned out that like half the committee had a connection to Bayer. So yeah. it's impossible here. You can't like separate these financial interests and it's um, just like dope sick. It's, I mean, it's very yes. dope sick. I was going to say yes, mm-hmm. exactly. How many examples do we need exactly to not trust the FDA? You know, a year ago, mm-hmm. if you didn't trust the FDA, you were called a conspiracy theorist. It's like, well, how many examples do you need exactly to know that the FDA doesn't care about you? Mm. 
you know. Yeah. Yes. It's just wild. I'd love to I'd love to talk about um briefly Bernie Sanders, how was his office involved? Uh, you just mentioned Yeah, so his office apparently was able to get the transcripts of the Nelson Pill hearings, Mm. which were these hearings that were done in the 70s, looking at the safety of the film. And um, Bernie Sanders' office was able to make it public and Mm. to get the transcripts, yeah, to get them released to the public. So Karen Langhart had gotten us um, a copy of the transcripts and the transcripts themselves are like fascinating. They're really fascinating because you can mm. see like in the court, you know, how, like you said, we knew all of this. Like we knew all of this in the 70s. In the 70s, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wild. I think the most difficult part of the day to be healthy is around 2.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Energy starts to crash. You want to have a cup of coffee, but you know if you have a cup of coffee, you're not going to sleep but that well at night. And so instead you reach for like a, a high sugary snack that's not that good for you and it makes you feel like poo. Anyway, I have the answer for you. It's Organifi Red. It's full of berries and cordyceps and beet juice powder, but it doesn't taste like beet juice powder. And it is absolutely delicious. I usually put it in my pre-workout with a bit of creatine. And the great thing about this is 13 superfoods packed into one powder to boost nitric oxide levels. Now, if you've done any research into erectile dysfunction, the most important part of it is getting blood flow around to that area. So if that's a problem for you or anybody you know, feel free to give them this. We could all benefit from more nitric oxide. It is certified organic, no caffeine. It tastes like berries, doesn't taste like beets. Don't worry about that. Increases energy, promotes energy, supports energy. Raspberries, pomegranates, acai, blueberries, cordyceps, cranberries, strawberries, Siberian ginseng, reishi mushrooms, rhodiola, promoting physical endurance and increasing mental clarity. I highly recommend this product for around about that time of the day when you just need a little boost but no caffeine and want a delicious treat. Go to Organifi.com forward slash Zaddy to get 20% off. The code is Zaddy. Enjoy Organifi Red. XOXO. It's Zaddy. Ricky, more like brother, less like other. (laughs) Are you, are you going to have me explain it? I can't because I, I butchered it once with Maria Menounos. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it is – It is. I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to let Abby say it because I don't want to just be berated again. So, Abby, clear it up. I, no, I want you to say it. No, it's just – It's. it makes sense. It's, you know, when you're – that part of yourself is shut down, you're flatlined, that would impact choosing a partner. You know, it just it. it well, explain it, from the beginning because you. Guys, I want like, you to. I want you to because you know I told you I'm high. You do it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, I'm good at some things. I'm not too good at others. You're you're so good on your edibles. When <laughs> Ricky, okay, so you're high. Abby's got COVID. You want me to explain? We're, we're in our prime, and we're in our prime. I'm 54 years of age, and I've never We've, been better. The best me I've ever been. <laughs> Love it. We okay, so more like um brother, less like other. That that's a quote from the film. So basically, Ricky, this is something that Ricky loves to talk about. I don't know why she doesn't want to explain it, but it has to do with the way birth control affects your perception of pheromones. The mm-hmm. way your pheromones, if, if you don't know, it's like a like a scent, right? So everybody gives off a scent, and in that scent 
is all this information about your DNA. Okay. So it's not something your conscious brain can pick up, but it's like your, you know, the neuroscience of it is that you can sniff out a mate, a good mate, yeah. right? Like mm -hmm. if, if you can like put your nose in their armpit, you know, and if it smells horrible to you, that's maybe not the person you should be mating with. <laughs> and if it mm -hmm. smells sexy to you, you know, probably you have a good histological makeup together and you're going to produce like robust offspring. And I this was going to use the word histological. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I said it right. Is it like histological? Or histi <laughs> but that's, that's like, so the science of it is that when you're on hormonal birth control, that sense of smell kind of goes offline. And so you, and again, I'm saying this from research, actual like research and that was done is that they find that like women who are on birth control are attracted to somebody who's more like a brother. Um, they might have like more feminine features. Um, they might feel more like familial, you know, mm. Mm -hmm. And then when you're not on hormonal birth control, you have more of the like cave woman, you know, where's my mate? And you kind of looking for, you know, a more masculine polarized type of partner. So that's yeah. what the science like has shown with, you know, the studies that they've done. And that is what Ricky was talking about on Maria Menounos. <laughs> she, mm -hmm. It's like... It's, it's like one of those things that we talk about in the film that people love to really knock and say, oh, that's so goopish or that's like pseudoscience. And yeah. I think, you know, look, it happened to me. It happened to so many women I know. It's wild to think huge life decisions like that were sitting on this little pill that was given to you when you were young that you used all throughout your life. And then you made these huge life decisions based on your hormones that weren't working in an optimal way. It's, mm -hmm. it's wild to think about that. How many people, how many bad marriages, you know, yeah. how many, <clears throat> maybe inappropriate to say, but like birth defects because you were mating with the wrong person, you mm -hmm. know? One of the guys in the film was telling us he does, like he's a fertility doctor, okay? And he said that mm. he sees a lot of lesbian couples. And he said when the lesbian couples come in to have a baby, the partner who's going to get pregnant has to usually go on the pill for a couple months because that's how they like set you up for IVF. And he sure. said during that period, the same thing happens with lesbians where all of a sudden you put one of them on the pill and she's not attracted to her partner anymore. And it's like this, you know, big disruption in the relationship. And he has to explain to them, like, it's the pill. And like, wow. as soon as you go off, it's going to come back and don't worry. Yeah. And you've experienced, have you, ex you've experienced this, Abby? This uh, coming off the pill or going on the pill has taken attraction away from your partner? Totally. Oh my God, wow. completely. I experienced it big time. Most women, I think, experience it like, you could experience it if you're naturally attracted to someone and then you go on the pill and then suddenly you're not. In my case, I met someone on the pill. And then mm. when I went off the pill, because when you go off the pill, 
all of a sudden your your testosterone goes back up and your libido comes back right. in a big yeah. way, you know? Yeah. So yeah, that's what happened to me. It was like really, oh my God. Like I was totally But you didn't into, put it you didn't put two and two together until making this film, right? Yes, for 20 years I didn't realize. For 20 years. And also like Another thing that they don't talk about is there's like, you get this issue with like vaginal dryness. Mm. So like when I was on the pill and I was like in my twenties, I literally thought I was like, oh, I'm one of those people that has to use KY. I just got to use like tons of KY. And then yeah. it's like, uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm like, actually I'm not. I'm like the right. opposite of that. But, but I didn't know that was connected. I had no idea. Like mm -hmm. all of these things, you know, it's so cruel. It's all just like kept from you and you know, you think it's you and it's not. Yeah. Ricky, have you had any personal experience? Have you I, had vaginal dryness, Ricky? No, not, I, I not, not vaginal dryness. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, you can talk about that. I was going to ask you about the attraction thing. If there's, if you, have <laughs> I, you know, I was married at such a young age. I was such a late bloomer. I didn't have, I didn't go on the pill until my early twenties and I'm one of those people, I went off the pill when I wanted to start family planning. I went off the pill mm. and got pregnant the first time I tried with both of my children. And I've never miscarried. So it's wow. just, I don't know, the pill didn't, the, the, the big thing was my hair fell out. And that, for that, I suffered for years and years and years. I'm no longer suffering because I'm at a place of being at peace with what I got. Um, but it tortured me. And I, I just, again, I go back to that initial consultation or that initial, it wasn't even a consultation. It was my doctor's, my, my pap smear that I just said, Oh sure. I'll go on the pill. Why not? You know? And I just wish I had more information so I could have made maybe a different choice, you know? Yeah. Now I feel like because of social media and the internet, I feel like there are young women out there on TikTok. Like people are talking more about the side effects and making jokes about, you know, the pill killing your libido. Like things like that, mm -hmm. I feel like are are more out in the open than they were like for us. Mm, yeah. Is there a recommendation of how you can approach and talk to your doctor so that women can make better decisions? Yeah. Well, that's like, so what, what we've done now is like, so we have this, our film, and then we kind of created um, this film circle membership thing where you can have access, like lifetime access to all of our films. And then we created um, a series, a body literacy, body literacy series called um, More Business of Birth Control. And we have like one whole course on there that's like how to talk to your doctor, what okay. to say to your doctor. Like we have like a literal class that we offer. Um, because it is so complicated and like so many women are, are shut down and they're just told, look, if you're not on something, you're going to get pregnant. You know, I mean, that's what like most women are, are told by their mm -hmm. practitioner. So you really have to advocate and even something like, like something as simple as an IUD, right? They say that like, there's a non-hormonal IUD, right? The copper coil, the copper IUD. And then there's the hormonal one, which is like the Mirena and the Skyla. If you go in and you talk about getting an IUD, you will get the hormonal one unless you know about the non-hormonal one and you advocate for it. You know, so it's like, right? It's it's just like, I think, trying to shift the conversation with the provider from what type of 
hormonal birth control to hormonal versus non-hormonal. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, these are my hormonal options. Like, what are my non-hormonal options? And that's where it gets messy, right? Because then they're kind of like, oh, well, uh, there's barrier methods. They don't really believe, I don't think so much in fertility awareness methods, you know, so it's, it's very tricky to have that conversation. But, you know, we tried to create this like course and at least give people tools and ideas Mm. of how to get there. That sounds great. Lastly, I just want to see the kickback that you've got from this film, the criticism, anything scary, just out of interest, like any pharmaceutical company or anything like that. We haven't had any hits put on us yet, which I joke that yeah. like we they would be after us because, you know, with the business of being born, there was backlash initially with that too. You know, the mm-hmm. AMA came after us and ACOG. And with this one, it's taking on big pharma, you know. So I don't think anything sca- – was anything scary to you, Abby? It was way scarier with the business of being born because we were so young and we didn't expect – I'm America's sweetheart, for God's sakes, and I didn't expect right. to be attacked, you know, especially knowing where I come from and what what my agenda, my non-agenda is, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to help women. I want to empower them and educate them. That's that's it. I don't care what they do. I don't judge anyone's choice. I just want them to make an informed one, you know. But yeah, you didn't you join the Illuminati, any- though, did you, Ricky? <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. You I didn't join. Not. You and your mate Oprah. You didn't join. No, I, she I'm joined. You club. didn't. <laughs> I'm. I'm a burner. I'm a. I'm a burner. I'm a. Are you a burner, Luke? I'll bet you are. I'd love to, but I'm. I've never gone. No. Okay. I've never gone either. I think like. I feel uh, you like look like too- one, Abby. Oh, thanks. I, I take that as a compliment. <laughs> I feel compliment. like we're we're almost like. We're too little, like we're just pebbles in a pond to really yeah. raise the ire of the big pharmas. Like, also, Luke, I mean, we we couldn't get distribution for this film, which has never happened to us before. So we couldn't get any of the streamers on board. So, yep. you know, we've been distributing it ourselves. Um, and I guess, you know, it's going to go up on on Gaia in a couple months. That's like the only streaming platform that we've, we, you know, it's going to be on so far. Okay. And we've, we've, we put it on Amazon. Like it's on Amazon because yep. we put it on Amazon. But I'm saying like when we do, like we do a lot of free screenings of the movie. So like we just did one last weekend in Australia and New Zealand. We put the movie on for free. And then we have a, a conversation with some naturopaths and OBGYNs. That's really amazing. So if we put this movie on for free for, let's say, 72 hours, we will have like close to 20,000 people come and register. So that means that it's got a lot of viral energy and a lot of people want to see it. So you have to ask, well, if we're getting 20,000 people over a weekend to register, like, why doesn't Hulu want this movie? Why doesn't Netflix want this movie? You know, so it's like, yeah, I feel like maybe we haven't gotten like some cease and desist letters or we haven't gotten anything like scary because we're a little bit under the radar. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're still like in this kind of very grassroots, you know, self-distribution. We're not making a lot of money. Like Ricky said, like we're making like zero money. And so it's, I think we're not a, like a threat, you know? 
But um, yeah, I don't know. I think the movie's also ahead of its time. So I could see a day where it might like pick up more steam and the topic might get less polarizing and maybe, you know, it would get picked up or get wider distribution. I don't know. It's I mean, funny ahead of its time. Getting- it's timely. It's, it's, it's timely. Like it needs, it needs it's to be timely. out right now. Like talk about hormones and fertility, the choice, uh, uh, you know, uh, consenting choice, uh, yeah. educational consent, all that stuff. That's right now. And, and that's been, and we've known about it since the seventies. This isn't like, ahead of time. it's right now. We need this now. I know. I know you would think, and it's like, we're getting a totally different response internationally. Like Ricky and I were in um, London and Berlin in October and mm-hmm. we had like two sold out screenings in London. The talk back is completely different without the politics, without Roe v. Wade and the bullshit and the politics and the right versus left. We are actually having conversations about, okay, so what method do we use? And you know, what, what do we need to innovate and how can we like create options for men? And like, we're having like totally different conversations. So the film is being sold in countries all over the world. Like we've sold it in, you know, Spain and Norway and Israel and, you Mm -hmm. know, like it's, it's, it's having a totally different reception than it is in the U S. Well, I think that conversation can be had in person. That's when it can really happen. Social media conversations just can't happen. They're just, just don't seem to be able to happen. You know, you really, no. people seem to put down their ideologies when they're in person. They can like, they're, or they're better at it. And then social media is like, how can I make an argument in this comment section that perfectly sums up my side's argument and not actually what I believe? Right. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. No, I know. It's so true. Anyway, listen, it's, it's, it's been an absolute joy talking to you. I'm so glad that we touched on everything, including vaginal dryness. <laughs> um, that's really yeah. where I wanted to get to. A to Z. Sexy. But- <laughs> sexy. How- it's a sexy. And congratulations <laughs> on your on your incredible home birth. It was a V-back, right? Yeah. Did you have V-back, a V-back? Yes. Uh, it was amazing. People, so it was, what, what's a, a V-back is... She had a pre first we had a cesarean and then the second birth was a home birth. Right. Vaginal birth yeah. after cesarean. That's incredible. That's what I that's had. Right. That's right. I had that. Okay, I wow. had that too. Yeah, and I and I I loved the the kickback from posting photos of it was 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 a, there's a bit of anger on there, which but it's good. It's like, where do you think you've come from? I'm glad to educate you and lose three thousand followers in the process. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh it's yeah. funny, isn't it? Like talking of birth it is. is uh it's wild like that. But how can we see all of your, you just mentioned, how can we see all of yeah. your movies? And Well, the easiest thing to do is you can go to um, thebusinessof.life. That's our main website. Mm-hmm. You can also go to like our Instagram is at business of birth control. And that yep. has like all right. the link trees. And then we'll we'll put like a big discount in. We'll do a Zaddy discount. So if your listeners go and they put in Zaddy, they'll get a 50% off. Um, yeah. So and then we're going to hit you up way. when we are working on the follow-up oh, awesome. of the business of being born. So you can maybe, we can interview you about your story. Yes, that's a, yeah. that's a great idea. I would love to be involved in anything you guys are up to. So, okay, the business of dot life. And can we follow either of you on social media? Ricky, I know that you have... Instagram. Yep. Abby. Just at Ricky Lake. Perfect. And I'm at Abby Epstein XOXO. 
6969. <laughs> I, I'm not Vaginal wetness over here. <laughs> Big squirter XOXO. <laughs> oh, tell about your OnlyFans I'm, account, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> I swear we're all on an edible right now. I'm, I swear. <laughs> Very good. I, I'm not famous enough to get my own name, so you know. <laughs> what a what a pleasure. You're so fun. Thank you so much for having us. You're both a joy. It was great to talk to you. Thanks so much for coming on the Zaddy Zone. If you have enjoyed this episode of the Zaddy Zone, I encourage you to subscribe and rate our podcast five stars. And if you feel so generous, please write a review. Say how much you loved it. Um, I only want to provide value to you, and I hope you're feeling some value by listening to it. We're not asking for any money. Just a nice old rate, review, subscribe. XOXO. Zaddy.